Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Chris. Hello. How was that? It's really good. What's your name? You know my name. My name is Charles. <laughs> my, name, fucking... my name is Charles Rutherford III. And uh, here we are, in Chelsea, doing the do. Back at it again. And uh, I have an idea. We're going to start straight away with the final entry that we've gotten in the, whatchamacallit, the Dopey theme song challenge. Wait, but this isn't the final entry. This is the final one we have right now. the most recent entry. The latest entry. Update. This is from Kristen Finbogasen Finbogasen. in Iceland or Finland or someplace out there. Iceland. Greenland. No, Reykjavik, Iceland. Reykjavik. He loves us. He thinks we're rock stars. He's fucking great. I like this guy. You guys ready for this? It's coming. The wheel's spinning. Just thinking. Just thinking, thinking, thinking. Spinning, thinking. Try it again. Thinking, spinning. Have you listened to it yet? Try the second one. There's two, right? The first one's better. All right, we'll try the second one. Try the first one. <laughs> hey. Oh, my God. Nick Liner. Nick Liner picks up the phone. <laughs> Have you done heroin? No. Did you sniff Adderall? Uh, no. Did you um, turkey-based methamphetamine? Um, no, I didn't do that. Did you drop LSD in your eyes? <laughs> you know what? I almost did. No. He's lying. <laughs> You're fucking lying. Are you lying? Did you smoke weed like Snoop Dogg? I think it's some Icelandic singing. Dude, I fucking like this beat. I can listen to this all day. I wish this was just like my theme song in the background. No toodles. For real, though, don't you wish that was just, like, your theme song to the all day, every day That's life? not my theme song. Oh, that's my theme song, for sure. That it's got that ambient quality to it. All right. Try the first one, dude. It, no, it's the same, same... Oh, thing. it's the same uh, general layout? Yeah. I'm going to do a... Just because, you know, we do our best with everything. I'm going to do a song, a drug song... A cover of a drug song. Wait, what? You, oh, you're gonna play it? Yeah, I'm gonna play it. Are you sure we'd be talking about something else first? No. It'll, it'll wake me up. Maybe it'll wake you up. I'm up. I'm ready to go, man. You don't look ready I'm to go. Fucking ready. Okay, you ready?
show Things are not what they seem She play one verse from Forever and Death. You sing it. I don't know it. One, two, three, forever and death. Building standing set, standing their ground to defend against the rest. We're all at odds. Don't forget your bets from the roof. I yell. You hardly break a sweat. Sabotage is no longer camouflage. Almost in the open, so you better quit your jobs. Can't say it looks too good. It could be a mirage pointed at your head. Tell that story real fast. Yeah, tell it, man. Sing it. So, I don't know, about a month ago or something, I'm working, and somehow I got finagled to stay really late 
you know, I had worked 11 hours and they were like, we want you to work three more hours or something. I was like, all right. So they tell me that Clive Davis from Sony is coming in. Clive Davis is a, if you don't know who he was or is, he's, um, he's very old now. He's 86 years old and he was, uh, he's the head of Sony creative group. So, uh, he had signed Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. He yeah. signed, uh, uh, Santana. He signed Whitney Houston. He signed everyone, tons of people. Yeah. And so, um, I worked this man like I haven't worked anybody since I was a kid. Explain. I just schmoozed fucking. Oh no. Are they going to yell at you? Yeah. Let's hear us. So somebody's ringing at the door. They're probably going to yell at Dave. What did she say? She said her bed's right next door to this. <laughs> oh, it's right on the other yeah. side of this. Yeah. Did you ask her what she thought? No, I felt bad. She's a very sweet lady. She's very small. She, oh, yeah. I saw her going to the door. very small. I saw her yesterday. Yeah. I remember I saw her today. Very small lady. Very um, sweet. Okay, so Clive Davis. You worked him. I worked... I, I just... Tell me how you work him. Well, first I tease his group mercilessly. Like make what, fun of them. Sony group? Yeah. No, I make fun of his table. Oh, okay. The people at his table, how yeah. they order, what they get. Yeah. Oh, and also, that day, I had taken care of some weird old guy, and it turned out that the old guy that I had taken care of was the chauffeur for another record executive named Ahmet Erdogan, who had signed Ray Charles. You ever saw the movie Ray? Yeah. You know the guy who wrote The Mess Around, the guy? Yeah. Him, his yeah. chauffeur. Okay. So I was like, you know, I took care of uh, Ahmet Erdogan's chauffeur this morning, yeah. and, and Clive is like... Well, do you want me to get my chauffeur in here? <laughs> and I said no. Oh, so you can dish. I said no. We'll be all right. And um, oh, and I just he's like eighty six though. Yeah, I worked and worked and worked. I told him about my web series. I told him about the Othello Cookie. I told him about Oy Vey. I told him about Dopey. And um, told him my story and yeah. showing him pictures. And he was moved. Yeah. You know, they were all very moved. Yeah. And I said, I have a song. Which I'm fairly certain is a hit song. Can I? Do you want to hear it? And he gave me his card, and they told me that nobody gets his card, which yeah. is probably a lie. Yeah. Um, and I sent him "Good So Bad," the recording we play at the end of Dopey. Yeah. And I was like, eh, you know, what the fuck? And uh, about a month later, uh, he writes me back because I think he's going to Katz's. Should I read the email or no? Just well, he writes me back and he says that uh, he thinks. Good so bad is good, uh, but not that good. <laughs> he says good, but it's not a hit. Yeah. He said he sees it as an album cut. And then he says, he hastens to say that I have talent. That's good. That's good, hasten. I heard he says that to everybody. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Nothing came of it. That's awesome, though, man. But he wrote it to me. You fucking should have sent... Um, Forever and Death. Forever and Death. I could still send it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd still just send it. Isn't that first song I played, the Rolling Stones song, really you good? Should send, yeah, you should send it. I actually like Forever and Dead more than the, the cover. What did you think of the cover? I like Forever It didn't Dead speak to you? More than the cover. With, and, yeah, the lyrics were good. The blood and sheets, I like that at the end. No, but what about like with the big shot will be my last? I didn't pick up on that. It's all about dope. Yeah, I know. I get that. Okay. 
You should send him forever in debt and say, would you hasten to say this is a hit? No, I'm, not, I'm leaving him alone. Uh, I wrote him a nice note back and that was it. Should I read an email? First we're going to try Bob Forrest. No, first we're going to try Toast. No, first we're going to try Bob Forrest. What the fuck? Why not? He said he wanted to promote his thing. You know, we'll give it a shot. What's the difference? What's his face picked up? Why are you shaking your head? Go ahead. Okay. Well, hold it over here so we can hear. It's early in California. Oh, yeah. You might call back. Leave a message, I'll call you back. Or text. All right, I'm going to read the voicemail. All right, the key calls back. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. All right, we got some emails to read and stuff. Uh, This is from Adam. Hey, Dave. I guess you were um, communicating with this guy. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. Why blah, blah, blah? Well, because he's responding to something you said, and it's out of context. Dave, you asked for a story, so here is a truly memorable one. Worst day of my life happened about 12 years ago. I was out in a club in Leicester, England, whilst at university with a friend. Whilst. And we met some guy who was high as shit in the club. We were drunk and asked him what he had on him and if we could party. He was cool as hell and we all decided to leave early and go back to mine and my housemate's crib at around 2 a.m. My housemates were thankfully all out at boyfriend slash girlfriend houses. The dude we met had a soap bar sized lump of speed in a cigarette tin. I had never done speed ever, although was in the middle of an MDMA honeymoon, and so decided that tonight was the night to try speed. Lots of it. LOL. On the way to ours, the guy said it had gone mushy in his pocket due to the heat, so could he put it in the freezer when we got to our house to allow it to come back to more of a natural state? Powdery. Anyway, we kept drinking in my room, and after a while, got the speed out of the freezer, and he started scraping lines off the bar... And we all were hovering, hoovering these lines up. And for my first time, I loved it. I was drunk, though, and really was doing too much. I was eating flakes of this shit like it was Parmesan cheese. Hours passed, like six hours passed. And at around 9 a.m., the guys decided they were going to get off home. All good, I said. So they left me and left me all alone in the house. So high as a fucking kite, I'm trying to occupy myself and find shit to do. So I decide to run the hottest, most boiling bath ever. To relax, of course. I get in the bath, and within minutes, I'm climbing the fucking walls. (laughs) My heart is racing out of my chest. My mind is all over the place, and I'm getting worse and worse. That's not a good idea to do. If you're on amphetamines. I was in the bath for over an hour. More, maybe. Seriously, I remember being so high, I kept topping the bath off with more hot water. So I was in there a long time. I remember getting out of the bath and going into my room and attempting to calm myself to try to sleep. No sleep was going to be had, and so with me, being on my own, was very unaware of everything around me, including my heart rate, which I thought I could hear, like a fucking subwoofer coming out of my chest. I was so anxious, like something really bad was about to happen. 
My housemate Vicky came in probably around midday and took one look at me and said, what have you done? She could see I was in a bad place. I said I needed the hospital because I thought something bad was going to happen. We called the taxi and on the way to the hospital, I was clinging to the taxi driver's neck and saying, I'm going to die. Please don't let me die. We got into the emergency room and I just remember remember being put in a wheelchair and moments later having a drip in my arm and being knocked out. Five hours later, I woke up in a bed with my housemate and her boyfriend beside me. Scared the fucking shit out of myself and needless to say, I have never touched speed again. Funny how to recall this story, but fucking stupid at the time. I love your podcast and you guys. Really keep it up and think about YouTube. I think it'd be great. Toodles, Adam. Yeah, if, you, if you're on speed and don't, if you're on any sort of upper, don't get in a hot bathtub. Why not? You probably just shouldn't do drugs in the bathtub anyways. Yeah, the Downers are bad too. Because you tend to die. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But no, smoking weed and taking up. a bath you, is pretty nice. Yeah, smoking weed and shit. Yeah. Or Xanax, but I guess you could die. Remember this? My, one of my favorite scenes is... Remember, um, I don't remember what he, he ate a bunch of LSD and was taking fucking masculine shit in the Fear and Loathing Las Vegas and, um, Benicio Del Toro's in the bathtub yeah. and he's asking Johnny Depp to, um, kill him with the radio, to, to throw the radio yeah. in there. And like when, uh, White Rabbit peaks yeah. and, uh, Johnny Depp, he's like, all right, he like pretends he's going to do it. And Benicio Del Toro's like violent, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, like kind of scary. I saw it, yeah. Yeah. And he waits Right when it peaks and Benicio Charles thinks he's gonna die, and Johnny Depp just fucking takes a grapefruit and smashes it on his head and <laughs> runs out of the room. <laughs> I love, dude. I've seen that movie. I shit you not. I haven't seen it in ten years, but I probably seen it fifty times. See, I don't love that movie. Oh, I loved that movie. That was like my fucking anthem growing up. I loved that shit. I couldn't stop watching it. See, this this is I think. That, you know what I fucking loved about that movie? Especially Benicio Del Toro's character. Is there these fucking... As somebody said in the review, there are these psychedelic eating garbage heads. Because they're total fucking drug addicts. They're like cokehead, especially Benicio Del Toro. They're alcoholic cokeheads. But they're fucking gobbling the most powerful hallucinogenics too. Which is what I was like. You know what I mean? I love hallucinogenics, but I was like a junkie cokehead uh, booze bag, you know? No, that movie is... A, that's, the whole thing is a mess. But I think that the is, book is like right on too with the movie. It's one of the few that didn't deviate much. Yeah, I think it's like this is an interesting aesthetic thing about you and me. Hmm. That movie yeah. is your aesthetic, yeah. like total messed up vibe, yeah. nasty, blacking out for days, like like, craziness. but like just the vibe. The vibe of that, like, I watch that movie and I get uncomfortable. Really? Yeah, it's like... Oh, it's, I love it, dude. I love it. Remember when he's like, he gets the room service bill and he's like, we had been ordering, like, like room service five times a day, like five hundred dollars <laughs> worth of room service. You know, like, that's... I can really... And then he goes across town and checks into the other hotel. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's awesome, but that movie, like, made me uncomfortable. Like, for me, I like, 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 I'm not... I'm stiller. I don't I mean Ben Stiller. I mean I'm stiller. Like it's too much more still. Yeah, there's too much See, I could I could relate to that always because it was like when I was using, you know what my style was. It wasn't like I didn't have legs. I just went hard for like a few weeks and then ended up in jail or rehab. But during those few weeks, I remember like I'd be doing drugs, blacking out, like robbing people, like getting money weird ways and um there would be this low level anxiety building where it was like Something's gonna catch up. And with you me. had that smile, that insane Joker from Batman, 
fucking those guys from Fear and Loathing smile like you like everything is gonna fucking go bad. I still remember, dude. This, <laughs> Look at this. What is it? It just keeps going. Oh my god! All right. So, anyways, <laughs> I um, I went to uh, fucking. Uh, I'm sorry, you didn't forget. Oh, I remember. I'm I, sorry. So I robbed a uh, uh, that veteran, veterinarian, right? And I got bailed out of jail. I still remember this. This guy Kevin that w- worked at a uh, rehab I used to go to. I was at before I went to jail, or before I robbed the veterinarian. They got bailed out, uh, and he came to pick me up and take me to rehab. And he's like, how you doing? And I like, I had what you had. I had that big smile. And I was like, I'm great. And he's like, I still remember this. Cause he's like, he like leans in and he's like dead. So she's like, you're great. He's like, didn't you just get bailed out of jail for robbing a veterinarian? And now you're in court mandated rehab. He's like, you're great. And I remember being like, Actually, yeah, like, you're not that good, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not a good thing. No, that's interesting, though. It really is. And it, it really is. It, it also is a total mirror to the way we used. You know, like, I used for, like, sheer supposed comfort, like, safety. Like, I did not use to ride a crest of a wave. That is not the way I used. I used to, like, lie down on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you were like, ah, this dude, this dude is blowing up our Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um. What? What are you saying? Nothing. Um, <laughs> we. Are you tired? You are right? I thought that guitar would percolate you. It did, but like, I'm in, I'm in that thin mercurial, uh, where my, I'm like a dog chasing butterflies kind of thing. You want to hear something very... And, like, just take this away from me. What butterfly do you want to chase right now? Well, do you know what we ordered for our daughter? What? We ordered uh, something called the Bucket of Butterflies and the Ladybug Larva Kit. Yeah. So we're growing butterflies and ladybugs at home. You can grow them? Well, they send you, like, Larva? caterpillars... That then go into chrysalises and then... Are the caterpillars alive in your Yeah. I always thought it was weird. You could order... There's a, a frog called, like, the Bufo alvaris. I'm forgetting exactly what that that, that tree frog? The one that secretes DMT yeah. from its glands. And you, you can fucking order one of the frogs online and they overnight a live frog to you in a box. So they actually send in the mail... A live fucking... Well, how box. much licking do you have to do to really get that DMT? I think you squeeze it and it comes out and you can dry it out or something. I don't know. I never did it, so... I wish you had. you just eat the frog. Oh, dude, my, I, this guy's fucking dead. What dude. would happen if you ate the frog? No, this is... I'm going to tell you a story. This guy's fucking dead and uh, his name is Josh. You remember Beckley? No. He's sober living out in... Uh, Near Mountainside. I've heard you talk about it. He was the manager there. He fucking died. He's a great guy. And uh, anyways... They had a. They got one of those frogs, and the frogs like di- the frog died or something. And he said they um, ground it up and dried it out and smoked the frog. And it didn't do anything. You need just the secretion. <laughs> yeah, he's like they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> you need yeah. the secretion. But he said they just smoked the entire thing. He's just <laughs> well, I, I, that's always been a fantasy. But I wonder that's a if, lot of if one frog. Well, that's why they didn't get high because it gets diluted in the yeah, matter. You, you also it. have to get that poison out because yeah, it is poison. Out, yeah. You know, it's not designed to make the jungle trip out. It's designed to make predators well, not eat it. We secrete DMT too. We have DMT in our brain when we die. 
We have we secreted anyway. Supposedly, if you do inversions in yoga, you get natural releases of DMT. But that's I don't know if that's confirmed by like medicine. That's just what the yogis say. Well, I'm sure yogi. I have a horrible joke. I'm not going to make it. Uh, we're going to try toast. To whose toast? Toast is uh, your friend who's a drug dealer. He was a drug dealer. Does he have any stories? Yeah. Tell him to tell a story. That's a great idea. All right, good. We need a story. Desperately. Desperately. <laughs> oh, I have something else, too. Does he know you're calling? I was supposed to call three hours ago. No. We don't have our shit together, huh? No, not tonight. He's not answering. You have reached the voice. Okay. Bank. Here, pause it. I want to find something. I don't want to pause. I don't want to start over. Just pause. All right, we're recording again. Dave found what he wants to play. Go ahead. Just snort it, you know. And I, uh, I'm like, all right. So I go back to my hotel. I did three lines of it. That were, you know, yeah. liberal, generous lines. Yeah. And uh, I, I put the the mo- mo- just I put on the, the, the TV, and there was yeah. some movie on. Yeah. And when I hit the pillow, I said out loud, knowing me, I said out loud, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. It was euphoria like I never felt before. It threw me, and my head at that pillow. And you know I could tell heroin's great. Yeah. People say, why is heroin addictive? This is my answer. The movie that was on was Alex and Emma with Luke Wilson and Kate Hudson. And I and I never turned it off. <laughs> By the end, I was crying going, is Emma, are you getting back with Emma? Is Alex going to get back with Emma? Because that was rude what you said to her. <laughs> I swear to God, that was the movie. And uh, everything was great. And the thing about heroin to me was you didn't forget your problems. You remembered them, but you didn't give a fuck about them. Yeah. It was great. I was like, fuck you, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And again, right. the same thing with Coke. I said, I found this. But I could control this. It's all right. Yeah. First six months, uh, my tolerance wasn't up, and it was great, blah, blah, blah. I was able to get a contact that kept me supplied because with opiates if you have a supply and you never go into that withdrawal phase you'll keep up appearances and you'll be sure. alright you want to be out right my tolerance got built up after six months and uh, and then I was like oh my god I'm not getting high anymore Ugh. and uh, I, I couldn't stop withdrawals and then then I started missing shit so I just like his description of uh, enjoying that stupid movie on heroin and also I love the, the, just that expression that you don't forget your problems, you just don't give a fuck. Yeah, you still remember what's kind of going on in your life, but you're yes. just all right. Uh, that was an excerpt of Artie on Mark Marin's podcast, and I really enjoyed it. How long it. ago was that? Years ago. That was right after, that was after his suicide attempt, and after he was clean. Does he talk about his suicide attempt? Yeah. How long has uh, Marin been doing his podcast? I don't know, but he's clean. Mark Marin's clean uh, 14 years. But how long has he, you don't know how long he's been doing it? Since podcasting started. Oh, that long? Yeah. Wow. He has many, many, many hundreds of episodes. Um, Do you think we'll have many hundreds of episodes? If one of us doesn't die. If I die, make sure you air what's in the pipeline. How will I have the pipeline? You'll have to come get it. How are you going to die? That's a fair assumption. Maybe one of us will die. I'm not going to Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not going to Boston. You're not dying. The the truth is that uh, we'll do this as long as we can. Somebody wrote us today, and they wrote, I hope you never stop doing dopey. 
How could we never stop doing Dopey? Who said that? Somebody wrote that today. Yeah. And more importantly, though, what happened to that chocolate bar? What'd you do with it? I put it in the refrigerator because it was melting. Can I go get it? It's your chocolate bar. It that is. Was yours. I already ate mine. Uh, you've been saying... I highly recommend Cadbury's dark chocolate because... It's the closest thing you can get to milk chocolate, and it's still called dark chocolate. So why don't you just recommend fucking milk chocolate? Because it's like it has all the taste of milk chocolate and none of the guilt. That's not true. It's kind of like an Othello. No. That's the that's the white-on-white white cookie, which is all of the privilege. I don't and, want it. I don't want it. And none of the guilt. <laughs> but, I'm um, on a diet. Huh? I'm on a diet. <laughs> You've had a box of cookies... Uh, 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 candy bar and a half. I told this chick I've been seeing. I did one of my like food confessions, and she's had issues with food. She did not. She, she, I swear to God, her response is, "That's impossible." What did you say? I have it. You want me to read what I, what mm-hmm. I had? Please. Um, Dopey Nation. This was all in God about. Whew, quick. It was in. Uh, I sent it to you too, but it's like buried in there. Didn't I send you to the other day? What? How much shit I ate? I don't know. I don't think you read it. You don't even read my text anymore. Yes, do I do. <laughs> um, the most amazing thing is that Chris like does everything he can to gross out, disgust, make sick, make you know, shame himself to these women. To, in, in his mind, it's to get them to like him. <laughs> He's like he like he like sends what he eats. He like he went on a date with somebody the other night, and he liked them. And then afterwards, he tried to text his friend about liking them, and he texted the girl by mistake. Yeah, good. And then he says to me, "You know what I'm upset about, Dave? That they're not delusionally in love with me." <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. He says, "It's cool they like me, but I need them to really be obsessed with me." It makes me feel better. It's like, um, you, 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 I bet you someplace there's some woman in Boston going, and Chris said he ate 20 McNuggets, and he had a box of cookies, and he, he broke his neck skiing drunk. He is the man of my dreams. <laughs> I thought I fucking sent it to you. I didn't send it to you, did I? No, I read everything you sent me. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? Um, Did you like my chicken thing I sent you? No. You didn't like that? No, tell oh, here me. here it is. Okay, this is what I ate. This was in the course of... Did you send it to me? I did. And you didn't respond, so you're lying. Um, so, uh, I said, um, this is in the course... <laughs> <laughs> this is in the course of like an hour. Um, turkey sandwich, pint of ice cream, bar of chocolate, bowl of Reese's Puffs, and four toaster strudels. What are Reese's Puffs? Uh, they're like peanut butter puff cereal. And the bar of chocolate, just say I finished, there was a different bar of chocolate, and then I ate half of a bar of Baker's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I'm looking for always? It's like, I- I'm eating this Raisin Bran Crunch, and Chris like was like, He's like, you know that they have a cereal that's just crunch. <laughs> just <laughs> no, 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 no. You're eating a honey bunches of oats. or And I was like, there's something that's like just bunches. It doesn't exist. There was a just, at some point, I swear, there was a just bunches. It's an urban legend. Yeah. The other day I'm working and, um, and the guy always, every, like every six months he reminds me, he goes, do you know how fucked up you used to be? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes... He goes, you know, I saw you drop a Reuben on a customer's head. And I said, that never happened. It's an urban legend. 
<laughs> it's not true. <laughs> I've heard that before. It's not true. That's funny. You didn't? I mean, it's an urban legend. No. Dade is so fucking funny at his work. He, I guess he was worse when he was on heroin, but he just walks around and like his pants are kind of sagging and he's holding the sandwiches and he doesn't have them like, like, like horizontal. They're at like a slope. And it's like, it's not quite 45 degrees, but it's like over 30 degrees. And you're like, how is that sandwich even staying on the plate? Wait, going down? Yeah, you're just like kind of like holding it. It looks like it's going to fall off. In my like, hand or on the tray? On your hand or in the tray, whatever. Whatever you're holding, it looks like it's going to fall off. I don't look like a professional. Should I call JT or Leroy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have her number. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think she'll answer? Yeah, if not, we'll call Nick Reiner again. <laughs> I have her number. Oh. All right, so we're calling. I, I so there was this movie on Amazon. Careful with that; it's loud. There was this movie on Amazon called "The JT Leroy Story." Uh-huh. Is this girl who's a national New York Times bestseller or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, she created this elaborate lie and pretended she was like a prostitute from a truck stop, a transgendered early teen. And she's not; she wasn't. She used to be really heavy and was addicted to food. So it reminded me um, about her. And she was supposed to call into the podcast like. What, eight months ago? And we never followed up. Let's just see if she answers. You want to quarterback it? No. <laughs> I don't know anything about her. Her name's Laura. Call her JT. No, she doesn't want to call JT. <laughs> I hope she doesn't answer. Four one five seven seven five. All right, all right. Whew, dodge a there. That was very very. It would have been funny if she answered. Well, I don't know, man. I think we're in big trouble. Big trouble. Why are we in big trouble? Oh, um, any. So you're in season five of Game of Thrones. Season, I, season five of Game of Thrones. We got to. Um, Can I ask a stupid question? Yeah. Are you ever really interested in that uh, milk of the poppy? Yeah. Right? So you say take one drops for sleep, like two drops for pain, and like ten drops for the great beyond, or something like that. That milk of the poppy. And, and remember, Arya was like, I won't drink it. And yeah, she's I, a, what the fuck, dude? I'd be like, give me that shit. And why are people abusing it, you know? Milk of the poppy? Yeah, that, I mean, that would have been a great game of Game of Thrones story. There should be a side story about abusing milk of poppy. Abusing something. There's a bunch of alcoholics, but that's it. Yeah. Like Tyrion is bad. Tyrion, when Tyrion's in fucking, uh, I always wished I was a midget. Because if I was a midget, I could fucking. You think how much more bang for your buck you get? You know what I mean? Like your drugs go twice as far. Does I don't makes, know. You know what I'm saying? On Howard Stern, there was a midget named Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf, yeah. and he drank and used like you. He's dead now because he was a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> the same quantity. <laughs> No, you get double the bang, you know? You do not know. It's probably really hard to push the plunger if you're a midget. You need, like, two hands. Why? You're shooting your feet. What are you talking about? If you're injecting shit, your hands are small, so it's probably harder. You need, like, one hand to push the plunger. They have strong hands and huge livers. Yeah, but they don't have big hands. So what? So they need to use... But they have nimble little fingers. That's why they build microchips and stuff. (laughs) That's elves. But you couldn't... um, I think it's just children in Cambodia, actually. (laughs) 
Dude, I remember I was in rehab once when I was injecting vodka, um, and I only had one syringe this guy gave me, and it was like a fucking eighteen gauge syringe. It was like for muscling for like horses. It was so it was so fucking thick. It was five it was five mLs. It was five milliliters, and the thing was like you could see the hole in the end. It just teared your fucking veins up. Bad. End of story. What, you muscled the vodka in rehab? No, I slammed the vodka. In rehab? I, in rehab. I was in Gables at La Cena, and uh, I was I was slamming my psych meds. I was just slamming anything. I was cheeking my... I never told you this. I cheeked some psych meds once, and it was, um, I think it was like Zyprexa or Geodone, and I crushed it up, and I mixed it with water, right? Mm-hmm. And I drew blood... And the blood didn't mix. It was like a milky solution. You told me this story a million times. So the blood didn't mix with the milky solution. So it was like, my blood was like, don't, like, mess with that stuff, (laughs) basically. And I just, I looked at it, and I literally had a thought, and I was like, hmm, like... It's probably bad to inject the stuff. I was like, fuck it. And I shot, <laughs> I shot it, and immediately after, I felt like my lungs were just, like, literally filled with cotton balls. Like, my, like, I just, like it was, like, so heavy to breathe. Um, but then I started shooting vodka, and they found me non-responsive in my room. And then they transferred me to lockdown. And that's when you and started when, beating the windows that, for the fucking that's when, shot. that's when Bob Forrest was like, you were in the psych ward. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Um, Bob Forrest said he wanted to... Um, fucking uh promote his show on our show but we you know we didn't handle ourselves perfectly what can you say yeah so what should we do we should talk about um any recovery topics oh i went to um i went to my 25th high school reunion how did it go it was uh did everybody know you were sober no like before no did you tell people there you were sober uh only when they asked why i wasn't drinking and what did they say um nothing nobody really said anything self-centered yeah, very self-centered, but it, but it was like 25th reunion, and uh, it was great, and like, because I've been using for many, many, many years, and I kind of dreaded it for many, many, many years, yeah. and then it kind of gave me this real cathartic feeling of peace that I could go and show my face and have a good time and enjoy seeing my friends and not feel totally <coughs> fucking ashamed. Yeah. Which was nice. But the funniest thing is one of my best friends, this guy Steven, he moved to North Carolina many years ago. So we totally kind of just fell out of touch, you know, like whatever, a long, long time ago. And like he knew that I was a junkie and a drug addict and this and that and whatever. And, you know, for the past uh, several years I had been smoking weed and, you know, I, I had asked him to... He had come through New York a few times, and I was like, you should come over and we'll get stoned, whatever. Well, Bob Forrest. There you go. Yo, Bob. Hey, man, how are you? So sorry. Hmm. It's been a hell of a day. Are you guys still taping? Yeah, we're recording right now. How you doing? We're just talking oh about you. God. Oh, my God. Chris was telling the story of how he would uh, <laughs> fucking mainline vodka and Zyprexa when he was staying at Los Encinas, which is what landed him into the psych ward over there. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It was pretty easy back in the day to smuggle drugs in there. <laughs> yeah. It really was. How are you, Bob? So, I'm good. I just got done doing an, uh, there's all these... I don't know if you guys are noticing it back in New York, but there's all these, or, or Long Island, there's all these parents, these moms that have lost their children 
these like parent groups, support groups, not Al-Anon or Non-Anon. So that I've been going and speaking to them, trying to, you know, help whatever, kind of support these, this, the, I call them the moms movements. There's all these moms right. that are really stepping up. <clears throat> Because yeah. of these, because of these lost kids, and uh, they're plucky ladies, you know. But it's sad because so many children, you know, it doesn't help the kids a lot of the time because addicts just do what the fuck they want. Yeah. Well, the rehabs don't help, the doctors don't help, nothing mm-hmm. helps, and they feel like they're, you know they're just. Yeah. So I go and talk. I went West Virginia, when in New Jersey, I went in Seattle. Galvanize yeah, the energy. Yeah, Bob, we just did um, uh, a screening of If Only. It's like a little short film that um, the Wahlberg Foundation put on. Um, and it's like about prescription drug abuse, mainly in high school and stuff. And um, he's been going around screening at a lot of places. We did it at our school when I was one of the panelists. And they bring in, it's really fucking powerful stuff. They bring in all the parents, and the parents have pictures of their kids and stuff. And they talk and they share. It's great. It's really good. Well, I can't, I can't mention, but you gotta have a little faith in me. I'm trying to do this TV show. Like, I can't say a lot about it, but I think it's, I think it's gonna get made, which is hard in show business. And it's all, it's called Dope Nation, and it's about this prescription drugs and Purdue Labs and what happened and who did it, and it's gonna be all Gonzo. Like, it ain't going to be some 2020 special about it, trust me. Nice. That's what you need, the real shit, man. Those motherfuckers murdered 500,000 Americans, in my opinion. Right, yeah, yeah. And what about, what's up with the new podcast, Don't Die? Well, that's, that's my, I just, really, it's just the simplest of methods. Like, these kids are so stupid. They're, like, taking fentanyl and, like, snorting Ativan and shit. Like, what do you think's going to happen? You're going to fucking die. Yeah, yep. Don't you just want to get high? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) There it is. Yeah. You know, like, there was guys back in the day in the 80s that they were always out with DNA at your house. There was this one rock singer, a guy named Monty. And I was like, dude, you can't use it in my house. You're a fucking drag. You know, like, going out all the time, ODing. You know, there was that 80s thing. Like, you didn't want to be around the people that were being stupid, and they were socially ostracized. So we need some sort of movement to wake people up. What you're doing is a fucking drag to be around. You're, you're, it's, you're dying. Yeah. You're, like, ODing all the time. It's a fucking drag. Yeah, totally. It sounds like it could be a good punk rock song. For real. It's, it sounds like a song. You're a fucking drag. You're a fucking drag. You're ODing all the time. <laughs> fucking around. Killing my shit. Why don't you just get high with me? <laughs> you know, I really just wanted to get it out there. Like, listen, I don't expect young people to get sober, but I do expect you to, like, have some fun and not die. Yeah. yeah. 
Right, right. It's like wasn't wasn't the whole point of getting high to have fun and not to be on this fucking path to just I mean, I guess it's a path to oblivion, but everybody's just dying like instantly. We were talking about fentanyl recently and just like there is no safe using it, you know? I mean, but then again, these a lot of these people don't want to live. Yeah. You know, they don't want to live, Bob. I, I know. Yeah. It's like a better high. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, but but these kids don't like life. How do we get them to know how rad life is? First, you gotta disconnect from all this bullshit, right? I try to think of like what my childhood, my teenage years was really like. I didn't care what was going on in the fucking politics or government. I didn't give a fuck about any of that. I didn't care about politics, about having fun and being with my friends. They don't even know how to do that. Well, that's because, like, it's a whole... I was talking to Chris before. I wasn't even getting high when I was, like, a teenager. I was just hanging out with my friends in New York City and like making jokes and like running around and having fun but it seems to me like kids these days they need to impress each other they they don't they don't connect in the same sort of way but maybe i'm maybe, maybe i'm just old we're not all we're not all grumpy people because most of the i just i just did four groups at two different rehabs and one in temecula one in malibu i did a family group i've been around nothing but millennials all fucking day right i can tell you they don't connect in a certain way that generation after generation young people connected with each other and they had relationships with older people they just something's wrong it's probably it's probably iPhones it's it's probably iPhones (laughs) I think it's the horrible state of our country really they have grown up nothing but hatred and division and everything sucks everything is fucked I go dude Yeah, it, it's that, and I also think it's a change in parenting where it's like, you know, when we were younger, the parents were just sort of like, our happiness wasn't so important, and now it's like parents overly coddle their kids, and they're so concerned with their happiness that the kids are kind of screwed up because of it. They don't they know how to experience any pain or any suffering, and because of that, any growth. That's interesting. He just lost the call. I didn't lose it. He just disconnected. Yeah. You blame me for everything. I believe Verizon. Yo, what do you think about Chris's sorry. point? Sorry, I heard. Yeah, I heard. I'm sorry, I've gone through the Malibu Hills. I can work out here, but I can't live out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, no, it's, it's absolutely true that when you try to get them to start believing things are fun and, and happiness, I don't know what the fuck is all the focus on happiness. You're still there. We're 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 losing you to the windy roads. Just I would disconnect. Just text them and tell them we'll catch up later. Well, it's good to hear him. Yeah, just text them and let them know. Well, he's gonna call back and we're gonna pick up. Um, but you really think like I have a child, and I'm concerned with her happiness. Here he's back. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yo, Bob. It's settling now. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like the, I'd like the Verizon guy. Yeah. So, uh, what's the problem with Verizon? Yeah. Uh, Well, that's you know what I mean, I'm happy when, you know, but it's a past transient emotional state. It's not something to base your whole life around. Well, that's the difference is when you're younger and when you're active, and now especially, it doesn't even matter if they're addicts as kids, happiness is intensity and euphoria. And then, like, once you get sober and grow up a little bit, it's like fulfillment, and it's what you're talking about. You can be happy when you're sad then. Yeah, I just, you know, there's, a, there's you know, let's just, but I, you know, I've, I've always, I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts and I want to get to the drug stories. I want this to be a regular show. Right. So let's tell some drug stories instead of all the political drug rehab world society. So the, one of the greatest times I ever had was shooting coke when I was about 19 years old. And we didn't have cars because me and a friend of mine, I won't say, he's singer of a very popular rock band that's still around. <laughs> so we're not going to gossip about people because they always like, dude, you're talking about me on podcasts. So I'm not going to say who it is. You can figure it out. So we didn't have a car. Neither one of us had a car. We were kind of living on Hollywood Boulevard. But we had bicycles. And so and then we had a bunch of Coke and syringes. So then we, we loaded up like four syringes of Coke. Went up to Hollywood Lake. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but there's this beautiful thing right above the Hollywood Bowl where there's this huge lake, this reservoir, and there's a huge old 20s dam up there. And so we went up there, and it's a windy one-way road that goes up there, and we shot the coke, and we were leaning over the bridge, looking out over L.A., and, like, you know, it's crazy fun, 19-year-old, crazy drug, you know, stuff, right? Yeah. But then what happens, everybody, when you do a half, a half gram of coke each intravenously after about 45 minutes or an hour? You become tremendously paranoid. <laughs> tremendously paranoid. <laughs> to the point where we hit our bikes in the bushes and we climbed up in trees thinking that every car that was driving up the road was cops, SWAT teams, <laughs> right? And we were hiding up in the trees for hours. And we were talking to each other, like, really silent. Now, we understand we're in the most remote part of the Hollywood Hills where there's no houses, there's no people, and we're hiding up way high up in trees with our bikes hidden under a bunch of leaves, talking to each other in whispers like, dude, 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 what is that? And like, we, know, we thought the SWAT teams were coming through the, the woods after us. And, and, and then finally, the kind of paranoia wears off, and you're like, how the hell has this last four hours gone on? Right. You know what I mean, like, what were we thinking? And we were joking, we were riding our bikes back home, we were like, what were we thinking? Like, why would, what were we doing that was wrong? We were just two kids up in the, up in the hills. Like, why did we think SWAT teams were coming to get us? What had we done? Right. And, and it was the first time we had really contemplated the paranoia that cocaine causes. I think it was the first time I had ever felt paranoid on coke. 
right? And like, it's just like, man, that was crazy. What were we, why, you know, and I, I, my mind was blown. Like, why was this LAPD SWAT team be coming up to Hollywood Lake to catch two guys that just did a quarter gram of coke? <laughs> but it was so real. Right. Every, every bush sound was like, I could see SWAT team members in their black outfits with their, you know, with their, Oh yeah, dude, I, Bob, I used to, I was shooting coke in the Caribbean, right, and nobody gives a shit about anything in the Caribbean, right, it is so laid back, and in jail, in jail they would, if the, if the, uh, I was talking about this in the last episode, if, you know, the toilets don't flush, that means the guards are going to toss the cell and you hide the syringe up your butt, they call it hooping the shooter, and so I'd shoot coke and I'd instantly think the cops were coming, even though there's no fucking cops. And I'd hide the syringe up my butt in the Caribbean. So I'd be walking around with the syringe up my ass because I thought the cops were coming after me and they were going to search me. Yeah, I know. I, I know that. But Chris, were you ever were you ever in the countryside shooting coke? Did you ever find yourself in a tree? I, I can't you even see you past the people <laughs> or the window. <laughs> no, never, never in a tree. Oh my you god! Know what I mean, I just saw up in the tree is probably the safest spot to hide. The worst paranoia. Well, I used to get on meth. I would have the same thing where I thought I'd see things, and I would. This is back with digital cameras, and I'd take pictures with the digital camera, and then I'd put them on my computer in the bathroom, and I'd zoom in because I saw there was people in the bushes and stuff, and I'd try to zoom in and get real close to so where it's pixelated and see if I could find the people. Good stuff. Hello, Bob. Bob. <laughs> Whoa. I wonder, but that's an interesting. I mean, first of all, it's awesome that he listens to the show and wants to talk dopey. Yeah. But I wonder um, why that is. That um, drug addict. They don't make drug addict bands like they used to. It's probably they're dying. <laughs> no, I mean kids. You know these kids like they don't. Um, Bob. What? No, why, why? Why do you suppose that is that that drug addict rock and roll bands aren't what they used to be? And, and we, we just we just loved life and loved music and wanted to play and, and you know 
really had started to erode away your ability to do that very well. But it wasn't like a thing. Like, none of us went to rehab. None of us. Right? We all, we all just persevered through the 80s and into the mid-90s. Like, you know, I was the only one that really went to rehab in, like, 88, 89. Um, but so what I wanted to tell this story, so you got four heroin addicts, you got chaos, every dime we make goes to drugs, you know what I mean? Yeah. But we carry on. At a certain point, in like 1991, we had to fire the guitar player, Mike Mark, um, because of his drug problem, which was really awkward for us because we were all drug addicts ourselves. <laughs> but he was the one who was a drag, I guess. He had gone too far, and and you know it's it's a it's a legendary thing to be kicked out of the only sponsor for drugs is like being kicked out of the Trump administration for being too harsh. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and and so so he went on this crack binge, and I would go over. I felt guilty, and I'd go over to his house and try to you know say you know. Just get your shit together. You could be back in the band or whatever. And then I do drugs with him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, he had gotten to that point of paranoia about coke that he thought the crack in particular. He thought those worms were crawling underneath his skin, right? And I never had that kind of paranoia. And I would say, dude, there's no worms underneath your skin. Stop picking at your skin. There's nothing under there. You're being paranoid and crazy, <laughs> right? And this went on for like four or five months. And I was like, dude, you're fucking crazy. You need to stop smoking crack, you know, and just do heroin and a drink. <laughs> 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 that was my intervention technique back then. Right. <laughs> right? So, so this is, this is the crazy thing. So a couple days later, he was on a crack run. And he apparently believed that he had trapped one of the skin worms in his lower leg. In the, and he had, he had caught it and was holding it oh, away no. from being able to, you know how that is, from being able to move <laughs> in different directions. And he took a pocket knife and cut that part of his leg off. Oh, yeah. Grabbed the part of the leg put it in a jar with a screw top on the top and then called me and said, you got to come over here. I'm going to show you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> went over and he had this thing in a jar, a big part of his leg, like about a quarter inch deep and about I mean, two inches long. And he was looking at it with a microscope to show the worm that was trapped inside his body that he had caught. And he wanted to, for me to arrange to have it analyzed. Oh my god! What was it? Was a vein? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> there was nothing. We had like a corpuscle. Bob, that is next level. That is, I've never heard anything like that. That, that is next level. Guess what? That guy's thirty years sober. He's the guy that produces and engineers the Don't Die podcast. He's one of the greatest dads in the world. Oh my so I wanted people to know that the worst of the worst yeah. turn it around and just become, he's the dad that I want to model after. Right. You That's awesome. That's awesome. So, but, but, you know, we can't shy away from how crazy we get or how 
fun it is or how, you know, and I know you guys get a lot of slack. Here's the funny thing about your podcast. Everybody that works in recovery listens to it and then talks shit about it. <laughs> Are people talking shit about us, Bob? <laughs> Exactly. And unless we can relate to that, if we're so removed from that, we're never going to help anybody, in my opinion. Well, that, that's why we, we do our style. We do it because it's like we didn't do drugs because like we did drugs to ha- to experience something and to uh, to do something and sure there was all the normal addict shit and oblivion seeking stuff but I didn't do it to have a horrible time wind up broke and fucking you know having a miserable life I did it because I thought it was going to be fun it turned out not to be fun but we try to tell the story as it happened and it's fucking funny but we also try to fucking glorify um Recovery at the same time, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, well, well I, I, I don't mean to depress you. You know, people talk shit about me all the time. Come on, get used to Chris. Come on, you're out the public. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I actually, I like that. I mean, dude, I, I feel very good that people are talking shit about us. It means people are listening. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel great. Yeah, and I believe this is how we're going to get the message out. Your podcast, being honest about drug use. Davis, fucking John Lennon. Hey, hey, Bob. They actually, there's some people that believe actually that the random genetic mutation that caused addiction, right? It was yeah. it was actually an adaptive trait, meaning we were at like the top of the chain. Because before man crust great, before people started using drugs, the people who had the genetic makeup for addiction, they actually survived and procreated more. Because when we found the fucking berries, we fucking ate them all. We survived. Huh. <laughs> so you know what I mean? So it was actually... And also, and if you look at the history of civilization, there's a lot of violence up until the last 200 years. I mean, you could be killed by arms, you could be... Slaughtered by the English, if you lived in Scotland, generational, genocide, multi-generational genocide. We're the ones that survived. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, you know that horrible thing that happened today in Washington. 
the people who 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 solve that problem, I guarantee you have the genetic mutation. Yeah. I yeah. guarantee you. You yeah. know, they, they have this thing about, you know, soldiers go towards the gunfire, right? Who in the who in the right mind would do that? I would A drug do, I, I wanna know what's going on over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, yep. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And that, and that, you know, my friend JK was in the big tsunami and, uh, in Indonesia, and he was, he was on top of a building for like, you know, he was washing down those streets, right? He's a survivor. He knows how to fucking take care of business when times are tight. No, you put us, you put us in a spot where we'll be able to find what we need, that's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. And so one of my things about addiction is there's nothing, there's nothing really in our society in the last six industrial revolution that just harshes what was prior to. So it's almost as if with drugs, we're creating that world of intensity. Like yep. you got to know you're not getting ripped off and you're not getting killed and you're not going to OD and you've yep. got money and you got to pay your rent and nobody can know that you're on drugs. That chaos is what's existed in civilization for thousands of years, and it doesn't really exist like that anymore. Right, it's so simulating it's crisis. It's simulating adversity. It's simulating predator situations as opposed to having nothing coming after you or, like, just being lazy or whatever. We created it. And, and, and here's the thing about sobriety. I created in sobriety, too. I'm running two rehabs, I'm running family groups, I'm running all over, I'm trying to change the culture's dialogue about big pharma. I, this is the chaos that I love. This is where I feel most alive and most purposeful. If you get, you know, most of my friends want to make, you know, the normal people, their whole idea is like checking their 401k, you know, checking the stock market, you know, trying to wait for that time where they just cash in their chips and they just be happy and sated for 20 years. I, I don't want to be like that. I wanted to live like this till I die. Of course. Well, we, we were talking about it before. We, we need a million things happening at once to feel comfortable and to not feel bored. And in recovery, when we can do projects, when we can make – I mean, we don't do what you do, Bob. Absolutely not. But we do our best, man. We're doing our best. And um, But we I know I crave the action. Everybody, every sober is creating the reality they feel most comfortable in, right? Yeah. So, so what I notice in the 12-step world is a lot of people feel comfortable being know-it-alls in kindergarten. Yeah, no shit. Right? It makes them feel really important and really whatever. Like, you know, having the right answer in kindergarten when you're 40 years old is really not something to brag about. No, no shit. But they they want to feel that feeling, though. They can't help themselves. You know? Yeah, and that's good, and that's good, that's good for them, and they're there for the people that want to feel that feeling. But I'm here for the people that want to see life by their, their silver life by the throat and go live it. Yeah. Right? And that's been my problem with millennials. I can't even get them to want to see life by the throat and go live it. Yeah. Well, how do you, you know, get... I don't, I, I don't quite... I would prefer if he just walked out of here and went to the airport and flew to Costa Rica. And still worrying about your two buck problem. Yeah, you just do. Like, do like really, and I go really. 
Well, you want you want to see them do something. You want to see them do something. Yeah, do something. But Bob, we gotta go. Chris, Chris has to drive back to Boston. We're, we're like we're we're an hour four of recording. The two of us are a fucking sweaty pool of chocolate mess, man. We're through. Uh, I love you guys. Let's do it again. Let's keep it going. I'm gonna try to get you know so I can sponsor you guys. It's just been a hell of a couple of months. Let's enjoy it. Listen, you don't have to give us much money. Just to say you sponsor us would impress people. I just want that. We don't we don't need much money. Right on. What do you what, dude, Bob? What do you think it would cost to sponsor us? Uh, we, we, you could buy us ribs and chicken. <laughs> fucking give Chris some gas money, and we're good. <laughs> you're a dick, Bob. <laughs> now you're hit, now you're hitting below the belt, Bob. <laughs> I hear we're gonna drop that French kid. Like, oh my god, dude, it can't get worse. It's because it's because James Dolan does not have a tenth step in his life. He just does not. He's he just cannot pr- admit what he's doing wrong. It is I, Bob. We're sitting five blocks away from Madison Square Garden. This is where I grew up, and uh, yeah. I snuck into the Knicks Bulls finals, and like I die for this fucking loser team, and it ruins my life. Okay, <laughs> this French kid might be good though. That would be fascinating. That would be fascinating. Dude, they should just bring in uh, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. Fucking get rid of Phil. Get rid of poor Jeff Hornacek. Put Charles. Put Patrick Ewing in there in some capacity. But uh, we're in big trouble, Bob. We're, we're a bunch of losers. And uh, fucking John Sally came down to my restaurant, and he told us. You know, at the back counter at the restaurant, he told us that the NBA was fixed, that every year it's predetermined who wins the finals, and that in the next couple of years it's coming back to New York. So we felt good about that. But this year was a travesty. Well, it, 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 I know you guys love basketball like me. I you Chris Paul going from the New Orleans Hornets to the LA Lakers with Kobe Bryant and Bob Gasol was bad for the NBA and vetoed by David Stern. But Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant going to the to the Golden State Warriors, who had won a finals and win a finals, that's good for the NBA. It doesn't make sense. It's bullshit. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever except for you know, they wanted to build a
So if Americans can watch that shit because they're obsessed with fame right. instead of competitiveness, then fuck them. Let yeah. them have the Golden State Warriors be champions for the next five years. Fine with me. I'll just watch hockey. Dude, but I, I need to see us rise again. But we need to go, Bob, and we love you. And uh, put together some prospectus for us, and we'll, we'll take whatever dough you want to throw our way. All right, I'm going to do it. I'll call you guys this week. Go up here. Right on. Right, love thanks, you, too. Bob. Bye. Bye-bye. The great Bob Forrest. That was awesome. I think my favorite part was that he said people in recovery bash us. People working in the treatment industry bash us. But they listen to us. That can't be true. <laughs> what, it's probably, he's, not, he's not a liar. So there's definitely at least one or two people that have told him that. Well, we didn't make that up. It is ridiculous how much chocolate you have over your body. You have chocolate coating your arms. <laughs> it's fucking everywhere. <laughs> Dude, he's got it on his knuckles, on his arm, on, on his hand. elbow. It's literally everywhere. Dude, don't you feel great about that? It's great, yeah. I just hope the audio quality was all right. It wasn't I mean, great. dropping to the call, but whatever. Bob rocks. All right, stay uh, strong, Dopey Nation. Do your that thing. Write something. Do something. Do something. Do something for us. <laughs> all right, toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good so bad want to be good so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had 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 and these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had